Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. Ray Cairns dying to know is usually a little bit more, well, on the surface of it, scarier than what I would normally read because there is a kidnapping right from the outset. So normally that would make me close the book and put it away. But with Ray Cairns, you're just in such safe hands. You have to keep going. This is such a good book. You are completely dying to know what's going to happen. You just can't turn the pages fast enough. This is a cracker of a read. And I am so glad that I get to speak with her today. So the book has only just come out today. I got to read an early copy and yay, I uh, couldn't be more excited. I love Break Hands. We're social media buddies. I'm just in awe of her talent. I think she's incredible. Thank you. You're wonderful. Thank you so much. Congratulations. It's such a cracker of a book. I don't know what I was expecting because I loved The Good Mother so much that I was a little afraid that it wasn't going to, but it absolutely was even better. Oh, my goodness. Super super Oh, wow. Thank you. So good. It's so terrifying putting a second book out. (laughs) I had no appreciation for how scary that would be. I know just as a reader, I'm always so excited when the second book is coming, but it must have so much expectation. (laughs) Yeah, because the first book, people don't have that expectation, whereas the second one, it's like, oh, you know, is it about Northern Ireland? No. Oh, (laughs) yeah, it's... um. But I've been so lucky. The reception from the early readers has been incredible. So very lucky. It must have been so different from the publicity that you had to do at the start of Good Mother. Yeah, look, nobody knew who I was. I had no, I guess I didn't have a team behind me when I was self-publishing. So I didn't have that name, Harper Collins, behind me. So if I went into a bookshop, they were like, oh, I found that really hard because... Yeah, yeah, I I mean, I I understood, obviously, with the very first draft, I didn't self-publish. It took me numerous I think I I lost count after about 30 drafts I think and five years of writing with that book and nobody read it until I got quite a fair way down that track of the drafts but yeah this time around's different people know yeah. a lot more of my history and stuff but yes it comes with different expectations as well but yeah I was reflecting on that not 10 minutes ago because I originally it was going to be called the empty chair it was so, <laughs> it I hated that. that it just it shows how much we got to be in on the process I think of the second book as opposed to the first which I remember I got and was just so so swept up in. I think you had wrapped it up in barbed wire ribbons. Yeah, I'd done wrapping and I'd had photos from the locations of the novel in Northern Ireland and just I was trying to find a way, I guess, to for people just to even have a look at the book that I'd sent them and a way to engage people and that seemed to work quite well. Having gone along for the ride with Dying to Know, it's just... Yeah, yeah, everyone kind of knows a little bit about the story and, uh, well, people that have read, you know, my previous books or listened to any me natter on on any (laughs) podcast. So Dying to Know, it's a standalone thriller set in Sydney and it opens with budding journalist Geneva Layton receiving a phone call that changes the entire course of her life 
her uh, terrified sister Amber Mm -hmm. is on the line. She's trapped in the boot of a moving car, no idea who her abductor is, and she's begging Geneva for help. And then the line drops out. So while the police are looking for Amber, Geneva's days are filled taking care of her very young, traumatised niece and nephew. Days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years. And then shocking new evidence emerges and Geneva becomes desperate for answers and determined to get to the truth of what happened to her sister. But to do this, she has to take on the political power of her brother-in-law's family empire, Mm -hmm. the muscle of a formidable motorcycle gang and the questionable support of a policeman who betrayed her in the first month of the investigation. So the closer she gets to the truth, the more danger she gets in. Perfectly done. Oh, yeah, you've nailed it. That is <laughs> that is such an action. That's so good. Thank you. That That's was- okay. I'm just trying to, trying to weave in the elements without, like you said, spoilers. It's hard. Oh, I'm so conscious of spoilers. I hate listening to a podcast and finding out the plot because just because Same. you it, it doesn't it shouldn't I want to be enticed yeah. into reading it not be told of what I've missed same yeah. same unless that's the setup of of the podcast yeah. and you know that going in yeah yeah so. that's different yeah no that's yeah. so good thank you so much <laughs> oh, that wonderful. so I've seen the pictures of you on a motorbike <laughs> trying to know very much is around motorcycle culture that yes. was so much fun because that is a world that I do not know at all no and that was why I was so intrigued to write about it because my husband got a bike and we started going on these rides together. I mean, I, I'm on the back, then I don't have to think and he's got all the problem of getting the bike through Keeping traffic up, and, right. <laughs> and I just switch my brain off and sit on the back and solve problems in the story or whatever that I'm doing. But, yeah, we, we started doing these rides and the situations we kept finding ourselves in or the people we were meeting I was so intrigued by them. And yet I knew, I mean, all I really knew was the the kind of history of the infighting between the outlaw motorcycle gangs and how it spilled onto Sydney streets for the last 40 years. I mean, starting with the Milpera massacre in the 80s through to the Sydney brawl, the, the airport brawl. Right. And then yeah. Yeah, and there's so many other incidents as well in mm. certain suburbs and that. So I knew that and I knew it had, had really serious consequences for innocent bystanders. So I kind of threw myself into the research, which is what I do. I love research. It's one of my favourite parts of writing. So I read a ton of biographies to start with, both from the police perspective, so police that had gone in undercover, and then also the gang members themselves. And then dragged my husband out on a ton of rides and we went to biker kind of hangouts and and cafes that stop at. And, yeah, I just kind of spoke to anyone that would give me the time of day. And my husband, Pete, is great at kind of disarming people, so he helped me a little bit with that. And we talked to people that were weekend riders like us, you know, just enjoyed being out on the road. But then we also spoke to people who are much more seriously in the biker lifestyle. And they had all the gear and and they live it day to day. And they, you know, they even have like little sidecars for their dogs or backpacks for their dogs. (laughs) It was just the most amazing scene of people from all walks of life, all ages, quirky through to 
bankers through to like it was just such an amazing mix and then there was also the people that had dipped their toes in the fringes of the outlaw lifestyle yeah but they were all incredibly generous in sharing their experiences what they loved and then I got I was really lucky the, the chance to talk to an ex-rebels bikey gang member Wow. Yeah, and he was so generous. He just spent ages, answered every question I had, had very strong opinions and wasn't uh, shy in sharing them about the police and Strikeforce Raptor and the new bikers, the kind of wave of new bikers who he doesn't believe care about brotherhood or loyalty or anything and he had quite a few choice words to say about them and then I was able to ask you know why he wanted to be on the fringes why he felt that that was where he belonged and what it was like walking into a clubhouse did talk to him a little bit about what it was like for the women but he wasn't (laughs) that great at seeing things from that point of view because in my experience not not so much the weekend bikers but when you get to that really out little biker level the women are uh, second citizen yeah right well that's our picture but I'm shocked that I haven't really ever thought about them as a culture before ever no and and what a strong subculture it was in Sydney where I've lived my whole life and you know they pass you on the road and you hear the big rumbling engines come up behind you and stuff but I'd never really kind of delved into it so it was amazing I feel so lucky to have done that and then I also balanced out all that research I spent a day shadowing a a policeman at Cabramatta PCYC oh I wondered if you had done research into that yeah so I spent a day out there and then also emailed a gazillion questions but the team there was so amazing like just watching them how they interacted with the kids why they do the job they do why they joined the police force in the first place. Yeah. And it gave me a really good kind of base for, for Jesse, the police character yeah. in this. Love Jesse. Yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> I just wanted to have a policeman. So I used to run a refuge for street kids in the inner yeah. city. And I wanted to write a police officer like the ones that I had met. Yeah. So they weren't the brooding, dark. Yeah, character, and they weren't the corrupt or drunk or yes. all those kind of cliches. They were just honestly, genuinely good people. They'd sometimes made mistakes, or just like the rest of us, in mm-hmm. walk My of life. Damien used to be a boxer growing up, and so we'd be always be at Sutherland PCYC. And I think they go under the radar. Like they do a fantastic oh, job. The work and, they do yeah. is so important, and that idea of trying to get to kids from underprivileged environments before they're taken into the scene, give them another interest, give them other role models. It's so important. And so when I was at Refuge, I did a fair bit of work with them, but it was in a different way. I wasn't able to observe in the way I was when I was out there. So it was incredibly lovely of them to have me there for a day. I'm sure they were ready for me to leave. (laughs) Me and my million questions. Oh, I'm so glad that you did have the opportunity because, oh my goodness, I feel like I've hung out with them through this novel. It's just so well done. It almost answers questions about the PCYC and about the MC clubs and the gangs that I didn't even know that I had. It is such a good basis for learning about these things but all without even really realizing what you're learning because you're just so swept up in the story oh my goodness 
thank you. Look, I think that's what I love about writing it, taking a reader into somewhere that they don't know and making them, yeah, realise they had questions and trying to make everybody involved be real people, like with a full rounded backstory. They're not just carbon copies or, you know, the the assumption that that person's like. And that's what I love doing. I guess, like, I want to make sense of the world. I write because I want to make sense of the world and I want to understand why people do what they do. But I also want to trigger in readers that guess empathy or a sense Mm of deeper understanding into other the other you know that's really important to me yeah oh well it absolutely is succeeding in showing the reader that there's whole different ways of living and all the answers to the questions that you didn't even realize that you had and yeah I always just pull over when I hear a motorbike coming up because I automatically assume it's a gang yeah and yeah and that's some of the people I met that drove those huge big rumbly you know Harleys were gentle giants like some of them were just you'd cross the street you know (laughs) walking towards you but they were so lovely and had you know talked about their grandchildren or they'd hand you their dog or you know it was yeah it was such a you know of course there's the whole range yeah yeah I just wanted to I part of the book was about like well one of the main themes underpinning the book was about belonging so Geneva my main character is a motorbike riding 34 year old tough woman very um wears her leathers and and all that and she grew up in Guildford and then she's plonked into Balmoral which is a you know very beautiful but affluent suburb and she's a fish out of water there so she doesn't belong there and she's in a family unit where she's the aunt she's not the mother but she's raising children so she's kind of doesn't belong there and then the bike got no power very imbalanced situation she feels lucky to be there she has no legal rights she doesn't belong she yeah. Yeah. that was something else I really wanted to play with and and by making her the aunt I was able to kind of really pick apart that power imbalance when the kids are at the center mm-hmm. and you've got two adults who are caring for the kids but one of the adults has all the power all the wealth all the influence and I think it's so easy to be judgmental of other people in situations, you know, why don't they just get out? Why don't they leave? Mm. So I was trying to play a little bit and reveal some of those kind of tougher things that the person that doesn't have the power is having to deal with. And it's kind of with her, it's made even stronger because she's the aunt. She has no legal recourse. But yeah. even with a, a mother or, yeah. or a father, if the power imbalance is there. Yeah. They, yeah. It's very hard to fight that. Yes. Yeah. And still ret- retain a relationship with children. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had that power stuff there and that was yeah. really important to me to play with all that. And then the belonging because you kind of have her brother-in-law, Hugh, is trying to belong in with his parents his and his parents brothers. In his family business, and, yeah. And that's his priority and he's neglecting his own children yeah. within that in his need to belong to this other grouping and I think belonging is such a strong drive in humans absolutely want to belong and that's why people join motorcycle gangs it's people show misguided loyalty in their career so I have Mm. that in as well so it's yeah I just really wanted to it's an amazingly strong and positive thing belonging but it's also can bring about struggle and challenge yes yeah oh no there was just there's so much to think about in these because belonging is 
yeah, we see Geneva wanting to belong. We see Hugh wanting to belong. We're seeing that it's not easy and it's not balanced. And then Lily, Lily's trying to figure out. She's a 16-year-old oh, girl is, trying yes. to find out where on earth she belongs, doing everything she can to try and get her father's attention, but he's spiralling and drinking and doesn't have the space for her. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so for me that's another big part of my research is looking at current affairs and really I do a lot of reading of like the newspaper daily and, and articles and kind of investigative journalism and then I find it just kind of feeds into my novels without me planning. So I'm not a planner. I just start at the beginning and write the scenes and discover the story, the plot with everybody else, but I do a heap of research beforehand. Oh, it's most, it's wow. research-based. So I don't so much plan out my characters and I certainly don't do the scene cards with the plot, but it's funny how much all that stuff, my subconscious is working on it the whole time yeah. I'm researching. Well, you yeah, just, and- you've obviously come to it with a lot of experience and be able to do that instinctually. You must have put in a lot of years, surely. Look, I, I, have, I think I've always been a storyteller. That's always been a part of my life. So my degree is in performing arts. So I was always, you know, you, if you're playing a character, it's all about about all the psychology of all the interactions and something as simple as doing a scene while you peel an orange and and how that can oh, I'm not explaining it very well but but how that can reveal your inner life in how you do it do you tear it do you pick oh, at right. it slowly yeah. do you cut it up do you all of those things can reveal to an audience what the inner life of a character is who might just be saying and I went to the shops today you know so it's oh. All that stuff, I guess, I learned through performing, through singing, through having those kind of sub-layers, I guess. So, yes, in that sense, I have had a lot. And also my mum's a psychologist, so we talk about the psychology of people and actions and trying to make sense of stuff, and that we've done that my whole life. So I guess that really underscores a lot of what I do as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. My niece is doing psychology at uni and I can't believe how fun it is. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. Like it's just, yeah, mum's been practising for many, many years now. So she's very experienced and and a great source. If If I get really stuck, I'll say to her, you know, this is the character and this is their kind of person. What would they do? You know, and she might brainstorm it with me if I'm in a corner and I'm stuck. Just more on the psychology of it rather than yeah. the action. Yeah. Well, yeah, none of the characters did anything that I wasn't expecting from them. I mean, I couldn't see it coming either, but you're not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) You know it so well. It's wonderful. Yeah, so good. So you were a finalist for the Ned Kelly for The Good Mother and that's how you got your publishing contract, which I think is an unreal way to get into I didn't even really know that a self-published novel, so I self-published in 2020, this December 2020, like I said, after numerous drafts, and I had it professionally edited and stuff. Oh, yeah. But I didn't know you could be shortlisted for the Ned Kellys, which is like, you know, crime awards in Australia, yeah, with a self-published novel. But I was, and that just opened up doors all over the place for me, which I'm very, very grateful to whoever it was that (laughs) nominated me in that category. So I feel very fortunate that that happened and it's led to a whole different life. It's full-time just such a great and... story. <laughs> the ultimate payoff, I think, like I know how hard you struggled with getting the good mother scene. And, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you were one of the most, you were beautiful. You had me in your shop and you, you, oh, you helped it, me it, into it, the, 
No, but you, you because you, I can say it was a bloody good book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But you had your book club kind of read it and stuff, and it just it, but it is hard when you're self published to get that word of mouth because you just can't get the distribution. Yeah, and I was fortunate. I had so many people kind of really come in my corner and help me and read it and. You know, I was really pleased with how it had done as a self-published novel and I was ready to move on to The Empty Chair, which is now dying to know. (laughs) Yeah, so it was a a beautiful and uh, amazing surprise. But you have to stay in there. I think that's the thing. You have to keep working. You have to uh, have perseverance. As much as that might sound a bit twee, it's the truth. It isn't it. Yeah, just didn't give up. And thank goodness you didn't. Oh, thank you. How did it come to getting the the name change? Dying to know. It's such a good title. So (laughs) my publisher, who I adore, Bert, she's fabulous, she just said to me, I said to her, she said, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I just went, okay. (laughs) So I went away and then I came up with Dying to Know and I was very relieved when she went, yes. I went, oh, thank goodness for that. Be happy with your title, and I'm really happy with it. And I love the cover. I think that Andy Warren, oh. who designed it, did such a good job. I mean, the woman on the cover is Geneva. Like yeah. she just, yeah, absolutely. So I read the arc for it, and it had a different. And when I saw this cover, I just, oh my goodness, it is perfect, isn't it? Because yeah. one thing to see it on the screen, which you had done a reveal, and I knew what it looked like, but when I unwrapped it, oh my goodness, it just draws you yeah. right into Geneva. Yeah, you kind of get an insight straight away into the book. Yeah, so. so good. So I just wanted to acknowledge Alfie. So he Aww. is in your acknowledgements and I was so sorry yeah. to see him go. He's a lovely boy. He I- was such a lovely dog. It was a pretty traumatic end just because he was so unwell. But, gee, he was the best little companion and he really was such a part of writing both these books. I mean, he would sit at my feet. He would remind me I needed to go for a walk. So he's 100% on the pages of my books and I was very lucky to have him. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say, the writing process and such a big part of your socials, which, by the way, are fantastic. I love your social media. Oh, thank you. I look forward to seeing more Cookie. Oh, Cookie's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) He's a major distraction at the moment, but he's hilarious. Oh, he's only a little boy. (laughs) He is. So he's my new puppy. He's about 14 weeks old and he's just hilarious. (laughs) And are you going to be doing much of a tour? I've seen lots of little ones and I booked into the Better Red event that you've got coming up. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, look, I'm still waiting to hear on a number of those things. I'm going to a couple of libraries and stuff, but I keep a watch on the socials and there'll be more information there. I'm going to Adelaide at some point and might be doing something with a couple of other crime authors. So that'll be fun if that comes off. But yes, I shall keep an eye on socials. Excellent. Well, fantastic. I can't wait to hear more. But oh my goodness, that just reminds me of all the crime authors that are out there who are so lovely. Like you've got a real posse going. The Australian writing community is phenomenal. Everyone supports them. They go to each other's launches. They are If you're struggling with something, you can talk to almost anyone. They will help. They'll step up. The crime writing community is so supportive and they are the loveliest bunch of people. I don't know, they get all the evil out on the page or something. You all must, um, yeah. <laughs> we've all got dark minds, but I don't know, when we get together it's lovely and, and people are so generous. I mean, the endorsements that I got for this book really honestly blew me away. They had made the time to read it but then to write the words. Yeah, I mean, you, you. Yeah, it was amazing. 
No, yeah, I feel very, very lucky for that. And I, I will wait to yeah. see the journey for the dying to know. I just think it's just going to be extraordinary. I think it's just such a great Thank moment. you. Thank I'm you. Lucky to be along for the ride. So fun. <laughs> well, you've been there from the beginning. Oh, I know. You're such a great support to the industry. Oh, like, no, the, the I just I know a good book when I see one. Oh, and I like, we're so lucky to have you. And I like, honestly, you are such a great support. I'm having the the best. What are you reading at the moment? I think you're in a good book club. Are you reading? Um, I am. The the, the next book is out, my book. Um, And then the one after that's Melissa Doyle's book because she's, so we're we're doing a bit of a run of our own. But yeah, look, I just read Dark Mode and uh, amazing. And Lenny Marks gets away with murder. I loved that. The last love note was oh, beautiful. Yeah. I'm reading the new Emily Henry. I can't remember. Oh, the there's one it. called The Happy Place. Have you read yes, that? Yes, that's one? what I'm reading. I've just started oh, reading it. You were so lucky. So, I can't wait for that one. Loving the, yeah, I know. I love her books. So I'm kind yeah. of reading a whole mix. I'm reading some biographies and I'm reading I'm reading some John Saffron and, and oh, stuff for my next book. So I'm in the research phase of that one pretty solidly. I've done some writing, but I'm, I'm that's where my focus is at the moment. And hoping all those different elements will come together for that book because it's a very different, well, it's, it's still a thriller. It's still a standalone thriller, but it's kind of Jodie Picoult's 19 Minutes meets the movie The Fugitive, but with a female. Oh, wow. Okay, lead. cool. So, yes. Oh, I've got an elevator pitch. <laughs> can't wait to hear <laughs> yeah, incredible. So I'm loving that. Right, we're working on that at the moment. I think it must be so hard having to stop and promote as well as trying to keep your head in the game of writing. Is it? It's so funny. I sometimes have to think about like, now which characters am I talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you misname your children, you know, you come in a room and I'll call Amy, but it's actually Ben I'm looking at or whatever. <laughs> so, oh, Blairs. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I can't wait to hear about the third one. That sounds so exciting. <laughs> And I'll leave you to be with it for all I'll get. It's <laughs> <laughs> got a three-word title already. <laughs> no, it hasn't got a title yet. I've got to think, think that through a bit. But, yeah, that'll come as the story evolves. Yeah, so you must only be really early stages then. That's unreal. Look, I am. I'm, I'm early-ish stages. Yeah, I was working on another one that I've put aside for a little bit. Just mm-hmm. it needs something else in it. So I'm going to let that sit for a while and, and throwing myself into this one. Um, and i'm loving it yeah for sure but just that you could recognize that you need to wait with that one and while you're waiting for that one to come to fruition you'll work on this like yeah it just needs there's something missing and i'm not sure what that is so i will let it rest and and focus on one that i absolutely know where i'm going and yeah yeah, i'm really enjoying it that's Mm. so cool yeah oh how exciting okay i'm letting you go Thank you so much, Inga. It was so lovely. Thank Thank you. It was was absolutely lovely to talk to you, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Honoured. Couldn't have been more honoured. Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there, and that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free, and I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can enjoy reading more together. Thank you.